Peace and prosperity is my first salute to you. I'm Merton Clark, and welcome to the Word of Truth Revealed podcast. It is my desire to build you up, to increase your spiritual stamina and tenacity, to empower effectiveness and help you discover your purpose. Enjoy this vibrant and dynamic message. Any God besides you who acts for the one who waits for him, who acts for the one who waits for him. New Living Translation, same verse, Isaiah 64, verse 4. For since the world began, no ear hath heard, no eye hath seen a God like you, who works for those who wait for him, those who are willing to go through the process. As I deal with a series called Next, how many of you ready for the next move of God? Amen. I dealt with a message uh, the last time I spoke called The Power of a Process Servant. Here's a sequel to that. Processing you for next. God is processing you for next. Father, I give you praise for this moment and I thank you for the energy, for the zest and the zeal, the sprightliness to minister with efficiency and effectiveness to your people. Anoint my voice and the vocal cord that you've assigned to these people. I pray that the inner ear will be open. Let not the outer ear be distracted by the noise of first floor. But thank you, God, that the inner ear is open, even the eardrum, open to the vibration of your word. Reverberate in the corridors of hearts. Bring forth fruit in its season. I decree that the leaf will not wither. And whatever we do will prosper because of the word of God being preached. Thank you that eye have not seen and ear have not heard. Neither has it entered into the hearts of men the good things that you have in store for us. Even for those who wait who are willing to go through the process on you. We wait tonight. We sit at ready to receive from you. Thank you for filling us up until we want no more. In Jesus' name, amen. We are calling the solemn assembly this Friday night. Uh, we will have music and worship here. This is by the leading of the Holy Spirit, impromptu. Uh, you don't need an invitation. We're pulling our people into the building to talk to God. Uh, there's a demon spirit, many of them that are after our kids and we need to cry out. Pastor Dave, thank you so much. You and the wife, we're praying for our children. Thank you, Miss Barbette, for covering our kids. And we're going to cry out to God in a systematic way for this next generation. There are three I heard today, uh, parents saying their kids have been talking about suicide. This is under eight years old, and we don't want to make we don't want to play with this. This is very serious. A lot of times we get all caught up when we see teenagers that are thinking about suicide. But there's a hangman's noose that's being dropped down in the atmosphere in this region. There is a suicides are killing themselves at a record number, and I don't know what this is, but we're going to talk to God about him. And we're going to pull them away from some of these video games, which is a porthole for demonic spirits to show up in their lives. And we're going to start watching them as they deal with social media because they're watching pornography and they are taking all kinds of things. And they're talking to kids who are very liberal. And while you're sitting back and playing games and upset about what you didn't get in the football game, you'd, your parents didn't come to. The enemy is trying to snatch your daughter out. And we need to get serious about talking to God about our kids. And I'm going to go off up in here, up in here about that. Because we need to make sure that God hears our cry. And if he hears our cry, he will answer our cry. Can someone say amen? amen. We're going to get our kids back. And I'm already believing God. We're going to get our kids back. They're not going out. They're not going to leave God. If you train them up in the way they should go, when they're old, they're returning. That's the Bible, and we're going to stand on the word of God. So as I share tonight from this uh, message, processing you for next, 
I want to uh, let you know what the acronym NEXT is. Please write it down. It means new experiences. What's next? New experiences. Also add the X factor. That's that which you can't calculate. And the timing of God. The timing of God. When we talk about the process, processing you, processing you. Think about a washing machine. It goes through a process or a cycle to wash. We have, not only do we wash the clothes, we have to add detergent in it. But the washing machine takes it through a cycle, a spin cycle, a back and forth type to wash it, to get all of the impurities out of the fabric. And, uh, and then it goes through a spinning and a rinsing type uh, cycle as well until it spins out the impurities and leaves a fresh a fresh scent in your clothes and then you're not done yet you just got to spend a little bit more to get all of the damp uh, the, 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 the liquid out and then we put it in the dryer and it's got the dry out and so the process can be very uh, if you heard what the, the, the cloth is saying the process sometimes is hard to deal with but yet God has us going through it. Sometimes the process, we want to throw it away. But if you want to get real clean and ironed out real good, allow God to take you through the process. We are the process. We are. the. Pro what are the processes associated with leadership today? With leadership positions. As God transitions us into our next, listen, all of you. All of us are leaders to some degree, whether you're a parent, uh, an employer, or someone that's running a business, or just a community organizer, you're a leader to some degree. You say, well, I don't really claim to be a leader. Somebody's watching you, somebody younger than you, someone less experienced than you is watching you. And so what are the processes associated with people who are coming to leadership positions? If you're taking notes, write it down. We deal with next. Before we deal with next, let's talk about processing. Processing is the act of, processing is the act or the action of preparing something or changing something or treating a thing. Whatever that thing is, if it's food, if you're processing food or thing, you are, it is the act of, it is the act or the action of preparing it or changing it or treating a thing, whether it is food or natural substances, as a part, listen to me, as a part of industrial operations. You're treating it as it has become, as it were, industrial operations. What do you mean by that? Let me say it again. The process is, or processing something is the act or the action of preparing a thing, changing a thing, or treating a thing, whether it is food or a natural substance, as a part of an industrial operation. Let me break it down. When you think about manufacturing something, okay, manufacturing, you got to think about a, a wholesaler, you got to think, we got to think about the manufacturer, manufacturer, you got to think about a wholesaler and then a retailer. Usually we go to Dillard's, the retailer to buy something, but it didn't start at Dillard's. It started with a manufacturer. Started with someone who created it and worked it out, made sure that it, the, the, the item had quality with it, made sure that the item was, uh, was created, it was done with uh, some type of engineering or someone investigated to make sure that it was quality. And then it goes from the manufacturer to the wholesaler. And then the wholesaler does what he does, add a little bit more price to it. Then it goes to a retailer and we go to the retail store and buy that top dollar. And think because it's a sale that we're getting over. But a lot of time the sale isn't getting over. They made it for pennies, but we're paying big dollars for it. Ooh, I got this for $30. It really costs five to make. 
<laughs> Somebody's making a lot of money. And then when I ask for $100, what? That's too much. But we go, <laughs> we go to dealers all of the time and give them a whole lot more money than they deserve. Glory to God. But that's how things work. You need to know that. How does economies work? How does money work? Actually, before there was an economy, people used to trade goods and services. In other words, some person would have cotton, another person have corn. So they would, I'll give you X number of, of ears of corn if you give me some cotton. And that's how it worked. Then they started adding dollars or currency with it. Well, I don't have to have cotton if you want some corn. I'll give you some dollars for it. That's how things start working. And it works like that all around the world. Don't lose that when you come to church. We still need manufacturing. We still need wholesaling. And we still need retailing. We just want to be the ones that are able to capitalize on the manufacturing. And God wants to be able to capitalize on the manufacturing. That's why when he puts you in a process, he's looking for quality. He's looking for quality. It's not, I'm just going through. God is trying to work something out, smooth something out. Because as he sends you through these processes, he wants to, when he puts you out there on display, he doesn't want people to turn away from you and say, it's no good. Oh, I've seen this before. He wants something fresh, vibrant, and dynamic that nobody's ever seen before. Like you walk through the mall and you see something real. Ooh, I like that. That's what God wants people to say when they see you. Not the same old, same old, but something fresh, vibrant, and dynamic. So let me say it again. The process is the act or the action of preparing something, changing something, and treating the thing, whether it is foods or Natural substances as a part of an industrial operation. You got to see that the process that you're going through now for your next, God is trying to get you involved into a bigger scheme. Amen. He's going to pull you out of manufacturing because he wants to put you on display to the entire nation. Even as it were the entire world. Think about engineering. Think about uh, engineering. Engineering, you take many different parts and create gears and all of these things so you can be put on display. It goes through a process. It's also, you got to have quality management. We got to make sure each process goes through screening. So when we get the finished product, we don't have to break it all the way down because people just don't believe in the quality. Think about natural substances. Glory to God. Think about not only engineering, think about modern. I'm a modern day prophet. So if you're going to be a modern day minister of the gospel, you got to go through a process. Now, many of us just try to copy what we've seen before. But to be effective today, you got to go through a process. God is trying to work something out for the 21st century. I can't preach like Moses did. He had, he had the Ten Commandments. Now I have an iPad. If I pull Ten Commandments out and try to be like Moses, nobody, what is he doing? He out of date. I got to work with what we have today. And the word is the same, but our methods must change concerning adopting to the season that we're in today. Can someone say amen? amen. Substances. What about business? I explained to you just the basic basics as it relates to business. Manufacturing, someone creates it, manufactures, manufacture, manufactures it, and then we move past that to taking it to wholesalers and then the retailers and then the consumer gets it. Marketplace, same kind of processes and development. But I believe I heard the Holy Ghost speak to me this afternoon. God is about to do something with you. Some of you are already in the mix. How many of you can say, I feel like I'm already in the mix. I'm in the process. Absolutely. God is about to seek. I'm decreeing and declaring. God is about to seek or pursue you. Now we hear the scripture saying, seek the Lord while he may be found. There's a shift coming. God is so intricately tied to what he's trying to get to you. He's about to snatch you out of the field, break you off the stalk and start sending you through the process. He's seeking you out. That's why there's a lot of discomfort in the process for you. You're not satisfied with the status quo. Huh. You believe there's something bigger and better. Am I talking to anybody? 
there's something bigger and better. I can't just live like I've always lived. God told me to tell you he's pursuing you. Watch this. He's pursuing or seeking you particularly. In other words, he knows your name. He knows your address. He knows what you came out of. He knows what you're involved in. And he says, I could select somebody else, but I want you. Glory to God. It's better than the NBA draft. Glory to God. Some teams know who they want. God said, listen, I'm even more intricate than them. I want you particularly. I'm about to do something in your life. I, 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 I have something special for you to do. I have something special that I want you to do. I got to work you now. I'm going to work you real good. Get up on this. I'm going to work you real good. I'm going to make sure you got all of the impurities out. I'm going to smooth you out because you got some rough areas. I'm going to do everything I can. So when I send you through manufacturing and I send you through, hallelujah, wholesaling and retail, nobody's going to keep you on the shelf. They're going to be snatching you off the shelf real fast. Glory, hallelujah, glory to God, seeking and pursuing you particularly. Write it down. God told me to tell you he's about to sort you. He's about to sort you out decisively. He's going to seek you particularly, but he's going to sort you out decisively. In other words, he's already made a decision about it. He's made a decision that he chose you from the foundation of the world to be and to do a specific thing. And he's taking you through the process to make sure your next comes to pass. He's sorting me out. He's moving some things out of the way, sifting me, allowing me to be sifted to some degree and only pulling out that which is valuable to take me through the process to be where he calls me to be. I'm not done yet. God told me I'm about to handle you. You hear people, don't try to handle me. God said, I'm, yeah, I'm laying my hands on you and I'm going to shift you. Some of you, he's going to shake, shake, handle you like that. Shake you out. I'm telling you just like he gave it to me. I'm about to handle you. Handle you in the rough way. Not no smooth way. I'm about to handle you. Snatch you out of your attitude. Yeah. I hear a whole lot of people, oh, you don't handle me like that. God says, oh, I got hands on you. I'm going to handle you real good. Everybody, everybody been trying to get that attitude out of you. God says, I'm about to pull it out. Watch this. He's about to handle you firmly. Not harshly, but it's going to be firm. In other words, the Lord says, as I put my hand on you, it's going to be a firm grip on your life. You won't escape it easily. You won't slip out of this one. Thank you, Lord. So, number one, he's going to pursue you particularly. He's going to sort you out decisively, and he's going to handle you firmly. Some people want the Jesus that just touches them and comforts them. But God said, I'm about to lay a firm grip on you. You won't be slipping and try straddling the fence and indecisive about anything. He's made a decision that this is for you, and I'm going for it. Here, here's another one. I decree and declare that God is about to manage you definitely and differently. So the management that God is about to uh, release or to enact in your life, the action that he's about to take is very key. You're going to be managed differently, not micromanaged. He's going to give you a little rope. As you move forward, as he grabs you, as he firmly grips you, but he's going to manage you differently with a little trust. Ah, Jesus. Can you be trusted? If he gave you keys, can you be trusted with the keys? Do you become a caretaker of the key or do you just leave it on the shelf? I'm going to manage you different. Oh, you want to be there? You want to be the one in the limelight? Well, I'm going to give you keys of the kingdom. I'm going to allow you to open and unlock some things. I'm going to allow you to tear down some stuff. But I'm going to cause you to open it up. Now, you're going to just take that authority and put it on the shelf and act like it's your nonchalant about what God is doing. If he gives you the authority, are you going to take it serious? 
I'm going to manage you different. I'm going to manage you with a little bit more grace. Manage you with a little more freedom and liberty, glory to God. I'm not going to have somebody barking over you. I'm going to give you some freedom to do whatever comes to your mind. What choices are you going to make? Are you going to have, ever have to be able to have somebody to release you uh, 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 to do what God has called you to do? Or do you need someone micromanaging you all of the time to make sure you don't slip up? Can you go for six months with nobody checking on you and you still do what's right? I'm going to manage you differently. Ah, thank you, Lord. Glory, hallelujah. Glory to God. Here's another one. I'm going to treat you with authority and discipline. I'm not going to treat you with cakes and pies. I'm going to treat you with authority. I'm going to speak firmly to you. And I want you to be disciplined. And I will discipline you. That's what's coming. This process is a process of God handling us firmly, but treating us with authority. He's going to let you know I'm in charge. And the discipline is coming. Glory to God. Here's the last one. He let me know. He's about to administer. Administer or oversee your life graciously he's going to minister administer or oversee your life graciously there's a measure of grace for the process there's a measure of grace for the heat in the process there's a measure of grace for the friction in the process of developing you for next developing leadership is a process it's a, a complex process it's a dynamic exchange and those who are in relationship or those within a relationship notice if God is developing you to be a leader he's not developing you to be a leader and you're not connected with no one you the leadership is tied to a relationship that you have if he's developing you as a mother to be a leader over a son, you're in the relationship with the son. And he wants it to work out. So he'll develop you so you'll be more efficient as you work the leadership with your son. Notice God is developing leadership. It is a process. It's complex. It's dynamic. It's a dynamic exchange in those who are in relationship. Why would God have you on the backside of the desert, as it were, John the Baptist, and you don't relate to anybody, and all of a sudden you're going to show up in the church and start laying hands on folk, and they just fall out under the power of the Holy Spirit? God wants you to be in a relationship as you're developing or in the process of being a better leader. In other words, he's not going to wait until you finish before you start leading. He wants you to start leading even as he's processing you. Glory to God. Thank you, God. You don't have to wait until the battle is over to shout. And you don't have to wait until you're perfect before you leave. God says, take the one step forward and I'm going to work with you. I'm going to add the grace. I'm going to grab you firmly. I'm going to make sure I deal with you directly. I'm going to make sure I do what I need to do so you can do what God has called you to do. And you will be what I want you to be because I chose you definitely. I didn't worry about no one else. I selected you for this. You've been trying to skate and pull back. You want to say, oh, I don't want to step on anyone's toes. God says, I chose you from the foundation of the world I put my hand on you from the I snatched you out of the world pull you out of the community brought you in the church for such a time as this now let me process you for next Woo, Jesus developing leadership is a process it's complex it's dynamic but it's done while in relationship it's built over time so we don't can't waste any time. It's built over time. Every second in this relationship is important. Take advantage of it. If you're in a relationship with me, take advantage of it. 
pull from the anointing that's on me. See if you can get, get some type of audience or sit and make sure while I'm ministering to the masses, you're at least taking notes. People want to meet with me directly, but they don't even check with the church. They don't even come to the live stream. And if you got with the live stream, if you make sure you were with the live, there are things that I'm saying every single week. And if you just apply some of you, you'll see God working some things out in your life. I'm more efficient when I deal with the masses now. As I get older, I can pour out to many glory to God. Sitting down, spending five hours with you, working something out, and you just take it or leave it when it's done. Well, I really like that, but I'm not going to apply anything that he told me to do. I'm just going to take up his time because I want to vent. That's not how we need to work right now. Remember, I'm even in a process. I'm becoming more efficient and effective and excellent in how I do, and I have to watch how I flow, glory to God, because I'm for the masses. I got to get this thing out. What God is pouring me out, I got to make sure that I'm saying what I need to say for the masses today. Come on, somebody. And if you want to work with me, you got to become a corresponding group to help me to do what God has called me to do. Are you an asset or a liability? And if you want to be an asset, get with the program. Come on, I'm preaching better than you're saying amen. Jesus. It's built over time between leader and follower. If you're not the leader, you should be ensuing a leader. And if you're the leader, you better be going somewhere that's profitable. You better know where you're going. You're not just wandering from one day to the next. Because people are not wondering today. If they see you're not leading, they're going to stop following. So somebody got to be out front. You criticize me because I say, you, you need to think, think about this. If I don't stand up, somebody else will. And I believe God has called me for this time. I'm not going to let no rocks cry out for me in praise. He said, if these be quiet, the rocks will cry out. I'm going to give God the do. Come on, give him praise right here. I'm going to give him praise. No rock is going to take my place. And you shouldn't have that mindset about anything that God is doing in your life. It's built over time. Take advantage of every moment. It's built over time between leaders and groups of followers who depend on each other. There's an interde interdependency. The leader needs the people and the people need the leader. As I was sharing with our candidates that were ordained on Sunday, there are two things that God wants you to function in. Number one, he wants you to preach the word. Number two, he wants you to involve yourself in pastoral care. In other words, you must love the people that you preach to. Now, we want them to love us, but they're not always going to love the leader. They, they wait for you to make one mistake, and then they, ah, I can hate him for that. They make 10,000 mistakes every year, but can't handle one from a leader. That's how it is. But don't worry about all of that. God wants you to love them. First, you better fall in love with Jesus because that's the best thing you'll ever do. But then he wants you to love his people. He didn't make the people for the leader. He made the leader for the people. Glory to God. Y'all listen to that? Now, believe me, you got to love your leaders and you got to show some love. Come on, hint, hint, pastor's appreciation. You got to learn how to love your leader and not just criticize your leader and talk about what you don't like. I'm trying to be the best that I can be. But every once in a while, I'll stumble a little bit. I need y'all to have some grace. And you don't even know what's in a leader until they can make a mistake and then keep moving. And you get with it. Glory to God. You wouldn't know who I am until you can trust me like that. And so you got to learn how to back. You don't know what's in your mama until she can make mistake and then come around and fix it all and wipe the tears and still come back and bake you a nice cake and keep moving forward what are we talking about here nobody under the, under the sound of my voice is that perfect we all need to learn how to love each other through our trials glory to God I'm preaching better than you all are saying amen it's between leaders and groups and leaders and followers because we're interdependent of each other don't get it twisted. The people need the leadership, and the leadership needs the people. Write it down. The lead. The lead. There are three tiers of leadership. First of all, you have the lead. Then you have the leader of leaders. And then you have the leader of teams. And all of us should be going through our processes so we can be the best lead, leader of leaders, or the leader of teams. Now you find out where you are. Are you a leader of teams? Like the leader of a family? That's a team. 
Leader of a community, that's a team. Leader of a ministry, that's a team. Do you have a leader that is over you that you're responsible to? And do you have a lead, someone who leads out that everybody listens to, an authority? In the church, we have those three tiers. Leader, I call it the lead. Then you have number two, the leader of leaders. Number three, the leader of teams. The leader of teams is very, very precarious because the leader of teams is like the armpit of the body. You can conceal you can conceal your anger or your frustration from everybody and only release the scent on the team. It's like the armpit of the body. If you don't sanctify it regularly, it will begin to stink. And for all of you all that are so tied to the people, remember as leaders, God processes you so you can handle accolades. When God releases you to be over a team, you don't fall in love with accolades. They really love me, but they don't love the lead, but they love me. See, they, we're best friends. You'll be very, very, watch this. The people who love you will turn on you if you tell them the truth. You better fall in love with Jesus. You don't even fall in love with ministry. He gives you ministry. You fall in love with him. But wash out your team all the time. Because it will stench over a period of time if you don't sanctify it. This is where a lot of pastors make mistakes because we criticize the critics. But it's not really, the critic is the smallest group in the church. The largest group in the church is the uncommitted. Not the critic. It's the uncommitted. But when somebody said they don't like you, it will hurt you. It'll mess up your mind. And if you don't, if you don't understand that, that's why I'm trying to process you. God wants to process you when you become a leader. Because you got to be able to deal with people saying they don't like you no more. They're critics. But it's a small group. And you can't kill everybody trying to cut the critic down. But we spend a lot of time dealing with the critics. Believe me, if you criticize and you go to the newspaper, everybody reads it. On Twitter, anybody going off, blasting somebody, they get a lot of likes. On Facebook, going off, we just all click like, yeah, yeah, fights, fights. Got a million views. Let somebody speak correct English. Let somebody work with something doing it. Ah, that's no big deal. We go after critics. We like to hear their jargon, their gossip. It's no different in the church. But it's the smallest group. It's the smallest group. The biggest group is the uncommitted. And then the medium-sized group is the committed. So what we want, what we should be doing is ministering to the committed group, the people who are there all of the time, the people who work with God. And then when you minister to them, the people who are uncommitted will have a holy jealousy to become committed. Because the largest group in the church is people who never do nothing. They just show up. But if we can get you to become committed, man, we can turn some things around. We mess up because we're still pointing fingers at the critics. They're not going to do anything anyway. So we need to let them go and focus on the committed and the uncommitted and minister to them and see that transfer. If you minister to the critic in your ministry, what you're going to see is a migration from the uncommitted to the criticism. And we got this quagmire that we're creating in the church, people stepping in mud and can't get out of it. And God is trying to pull us out of the mud, sanctify our feet, and help us to establish our going. I waited patiently for the Lord and he heard my cry. And he brought me up out of a horrible pit or the quagmire. He set my feet on a rock and he established my going. And he put a new song in my mouth. Ooh, even songs of deliverance I'm preaching tonight. And if you ever want to get to the song of deliverance, we got to get you out of the quagmire of criticism. Glory to God. 
Glory to God. And there are people who can always tell you what's wrong, but God wants you to start telling them what's right. God wants you to start testifying of the goodness of Jesus and prophesying about what he's doing. Glory to God. Not just where he's going. Just testify. Exhort. God is good. God is working things out right now. I'm in the process. I don't like the way it feels, but I know he's working some things out. He's smoothing me out. He's molding me in what he wants me to be. I don't like the way it feels right now, but I know he loves me. Can somebody say amen? Glory to God. The lead, the leader of leaders and then the leader of teams. The leader of leaders need to be close with the lead. Your work is not done until you communicate with the lead. If you're running any ministry, ever in ministry, and you never communicate up, your work isn't done. You got to communicate not only to your people, you got to always come back to the lead. And I want this, you got to understand, this is a process. Well, I don't need to let them know. They're too busy. No, if you're the leader of leaders, you must, you must communicate with the lead and get some instruction. Good leadership always forms it. Where's the form? If you're over any ministry, you must first create the form. The process will help you with the form. The foundation. Lay out the form to build this building. We need to have a foundation. First they put a border there. The foundation can be only so wide and so deep. We need a border. Who formed you? Well God formed me. Well God uses people to form too. Who's got their hand on your molding? If you tell me you're a wild olive shoot. You got a revelation out there by yourself. While smoking a stogie. I can't trust you. The angel of light is appearing in the fog. I'm preaching better than you're saying amen. The angel of light is magnifying himself in the fog of your smoke and your confusion and your criticism about where the church is and the church is not visible and the church is weak because we get a vaccine. Listen to me. Get this out of your mind. God has always worked, through the, uh, worked with the church even during the world wars, even during times of great famine, even during when China was doing this and Europe was doing that. God still had the church. God is working with the church even in Muslim countries. Don't tell me God is dead. He's still alive. China has the church over there in the underground. God will always rise. This word will never go void. Jesus is alive and well. God is going to rescue us and by many, by, by, by any means necessary. Get your head together. Form it right and God will visit the form. Form it, storm it. Next, let the next dimension, storm it. In other words, every time there's a form, it will be challenged. Thank you, Elder Hubbard. Every time there's a form, there will it will be challenged. So people spend a lot of time forming, but you got to also see that it will be a challenge. It will be stormed. Storm it. The enemy will try to mess up your form. Here's the next dimension: reform. Visit the form the second time after the storm. Good leaders will always check it after the storm. Reform. I'm not going to get in my car and ride after I ran through glass. I got to check the wheels now. I got to see if I got any slow leaks. I got to reform it. Came through a storm. I did form it right, but I went through a storm. Now I need to reform. Number four, norm it. Keep practicing it until it becomes normal. You don't say, I told them once and they should have it. Good leaders will norm it. <laughs> we'll keep doing it until it becomes normal. Perfect practice makes perfect. Come on, Tupac, paint a perfect picture. Picture perfect. Paint a perfect picture. Picture perfect. Picture perfect. Paint a perfect picture. If you want a perfect picture, you got to paint the picture perfect. You keep painting the picture until the picture is perfect. Ah, ooh, I'm preaching tonight. Tupac helped me right there. 
You got to norm that thing. Y'all want to be on in lights, but you're not norming. You're not norming it. You're not doing it until you become perfect. You're not preaching to yourself. You see yourself preaching the message, but you got to go in the bathroom and preach to yourself in the mirror until it becomes normal. You got to learn how to preach in your car when you're driving. You got to learn how to walk on the beach and preach. You got to learn how to do what God is telling you to do, where he's telling you to do it at, until it becomes normal. And stop saying, I got butterflies. Get the butterflies out. If you keep practicing, it'll become normal. Picture perfect. Paint a perfect picture. And then the last one is performance. We try to get people to perform and they've never had a form. They've never been tested. There is no storm yet. They've never tried to reform and pull pieces that are scattered back together. They have never normed it. They keep changing the paradigm and nothing is concrete. There's no disciplines in their lives. And lastly, then you perform. We just throw a mic to someone because they can sing, sing, whoo, but they've never been formed. And that's why when the first dust storm comes, they wash up, the devil washes them right out. Good leadership that's going through a process, God is preparing you for next, you must go through the storm. And then reform after the storm, norm it, and then perform it. Performance is last, not first. And so the lead not only is often seen as the focus or the orchestrative groups and their activities. People tend to lean or tone themselves after the lead. And not only is the lead that, but the lead provides the group. With what is required to fulfill the, the, the maintenance and the, the task related needs. But the lead can also be unhinged. The lead can also be unsettled. The lead can also be rude. The lead can be schizophrenic. The lead can also be competitive and egocentric. And the lead can be domineering, even controlling, even manipulative. And that's why the lead, who's, who's speaking to the lead? For those who are leading organizations or you're out front, who's speaking to you? Because even though you're the lead and a lot of things come off of you, it's pivoted off of you. You got to understand that the lead can be unhinged, unsettled and rude, even schizophrenic and competitive, egocentric, domineering, controlling, even manipulative, M-A-N-I-P-U later manipulator and God don't need us to manipulate nothing in the kingdom he wants us to do it through godly influence not through manipulation oh Jesus now we can go to Elijah he had issues I believe there were signs of schizophrenia in this wonderful man of God who help me Jesus Here's some of the signs of, uh, of a schizophrenia or schizophrenic. Number one, they will be positive one moment and then negative the next. I said they will be positive. Oh, God is good all the time. Oh, my God, I'm tired. Almost in the same breath, depending on the way the wind blows. The way trials come. I'm done. I'm tired. But I thought you just said Sunday. I'm with it. Let me preach, man. I'm preaching better than you saying amen. Not only that, but, but, but you got to look at delusional. Positive and negative. Then they turn around to be delusional. 
then they're susceptible to flattery. They're delusional, and then you can give them a compliment, and oh, everything just rises. All you did is say, hello, you look good. Really? 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 Like they've never heard it before. It's bad when you lead. And this happens. But it's, you'll see it in Elijah. Who help me, Jesus. Schizophrenia, another sign is hallucinations. Your mind is playing tricks on you. Bum, 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 bum. My mind is playing tricks on me. Hallucinations, then all of a sudden, you're really talkative and you get quiet right in the midst of people. Everybody having a good time, but you, everybody praising, and you're the one sitting there. Don't understand the 23 seasons. There's not four. There's a time to praise, then there's time to be quiet. And if everybody's praising, why are you quiet? If you're a good leader, even if you don't feel the praise, if everybody's smiling, you got to tell your, your hands and your spirit to get with it. Well, I'm just true to me. What do you mean true to you? You're leading people. They're watching how you move. Have you processed yourself yet? Are you in the midst of it? Are you still in the field somewhere and we're trying to pluck you out to get you through manufacturing, then into wholesaling, and then into retailing so you can be bought and purchased? You're still in the field. What about disorganized? You move from being silent, disorganized, and then disorganized speech. What you're saying doesn't make sense. That's what happens when people are schizophrenic. It is dangerous when it's in the lead. Lose, have a lack of initiative, don't want to even want to get up anymore. Let me give you a little characteristics of an egocentric personality. Very dangerous in the lead. Focuses on their own perceptions, their own perception and opinion. But this is what I think. Walk up in the midst of people and just take over the conversation. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Just because somebody laughs, they, they don't know how to just take the giggle and then back up. But when somebody fuels what they do, they keep going with it. Because their opinion means more than anybody else's. That's what they're saying. I'm going to take over. Because what I feel means more. I can be loud and boisterous. It's not good when you're the lead. A lack of empathy. When people are going through, yeah, 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 get over that. You need to look over here. But when they go through, they want the world to grieve. An egocentric person has the inability to recognize the needs of other people. They only want you to focus on theirs. That's dangerous when you're leading people in a church or in politics. They have an excessive thought of how other people view them. What are the numbers? How many likes did I get on Facebook? And they judge their effectiveness by who clicks like. Some people click like because they like your eyelashes. They could care less about what you're saying. <laughs> and here we come to a man by the name of Elijah. He's in the lead. The Bible says in 1 Kings 19 and 16, God told him, I want you to anoint a new king. Secondly, I want you to go to Elisha. And I want you to anoint him in your stead. Your time is coming to an end. The Bible says in verse, uh, 1 Kings 19, verse 19 through 21, he departed thence. He found Elisha. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen. It's on the screen. And he walked across the man's plowed fields and laid his mantle on the man. Elisha understood what that meant. If he laid his I know he's schizophrenic, but he's carrying an anointing. 
And this is going to mess religious people up. Because you're looking for perfect leaders, but there is none. There is, there is no perfect leader. Leaders have problems too and issues too. But what Elisha recognized was even though he has a I'm with you now and I'm not with you then mentality, he's carrying a mantle. And that mantle is important. Just like Nehemiah, who was serving a Persian king. Ooh, Jesus, help me, God. But because he was holding the cup and he believed what was inside of the cup was valuable, he didn't let the juice waste. Even when he was offended. So when the king rebuked, I didn't call for you now. I didn't call. What are you doing in my court? He still held the cup. Because he went through the process. And there are people who don't go through the process, but they're carrying what is valuable. And as soon as they're offended, nobody called me. Nobody honored me. They start spilling the juice. The longer you go through the process, the more you have the ability to hold the cup in the midst of conflict and not spill a drop. Whoo, Jesus. So Elijah had a mantle. He walks across, across the man's plow fields, lays it on him and kept walking. The Bible says in this text that Elisha burned the, the mechanisms. He killed a fatted calf, killed it, burned all of it, boiled him, gave it the meat to his family and kissed them goodbye. He actually asked for permission. Could he go and say bye to his mother and father because he knew his path was changing? Who do you have in your process in your life that can walk across your fields and you don't cuss them out? Who can aggravate you to the core and you still say, I believe there's value in your life. Glory to God. I know you're schizo. I know you're egocentric, but I also recognize that there's something you're carrying and it's valuable. Ooh, Jesus, we think because we see flaw that God has abandoned, but God can take a flawed man or woman and still use them for his glory. He can take somebody like you and I, hallelujah, and if he can use me, he can use anybody, and if he can use you, he can use anybody, and if he can save me, he can save anybody, and if he saves you, he can save anybody. We're not all of that in a bag of chips. I don't care how well you dress. We all strip the same. And we all have scars. We're going through the process. And God is elevating us to be what he wants us to be. You know why? Because your next, hallelujah, is very important to God. He's picked you for the next. He's said you're next in line. I got something that I want you to do. And you're right, ready, ready. You're right where you need to be to enhance, to harness it and do what I'm calling you to do. Don't give up on your destiny can somebody say amen ah. Ah, Elisha got over the schizophrenia and followed the man second Kings chapter 2 verse 1 I'm going to close shortly and it came to pass when the Lord was about to take Elijah up into heaven by a whirlwind that Elijah went to Elisha from Gilgal Ah, got to finish it a little later, but you got to hear this. Elisha is in Gilgal. Before we move forward, you got to know something about Gilgal. It is a village. It's not a large city, but a village which the prophet Elijah ascended into heaven. So it's the place of ascent. And a lot of times we're looking for God to cause us to rise from some large mountain. But God is in the business of calling you to rise from a small spot. Ooh. Don't underestimate the small spot. Don't despise small beginnings. Glory to God. Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Listen to me. It's very, very important that you get this. It is the first campsite that Joshua had before he took the children of Israel into the promised land to subdue it. 
It's called Gilgal, the first place of organization. Glory to God. Where you organize your strategy and your armies. Some people don't have strategy for their lives. But this is the place where organization is important and strategy. Do you ever talk about what's next? What does God have? That, that's a good question. What, what does God have for me to do next? What does he want me to do next? I've been doing this for a long time, but what does he want me to do next? You got to start thinking that way. God will bless you. Hallelujah. Gilgal is also the place where when they crossed the Jordan, they took stones from the Jordan and they set them at Gilgal. It's the place where the stones were formed as a memorial that God brought them through troubled waters. Do you have a place in your life during your process where you can remember who brought you through? Remember the people who worked with you while you were going through. You forgot them. You, you forgot the ones that were by the bedside. You forgot the stones that you gathered as you're going through troubled waters. He opened it up so you can walk through. There must be a place where you to organize those stones as a memorial that God brought you through the troubled waters. People don't have memorials today. I'm not giving anybody. I give all glory to God, but you got to learn how to give glory to the people that help you to cross through. Ooh, help me, Jesus. It is also the place of the first Passover after they came out of the promised land. It is at Gilgal that they, they observed the Passover. They were on the run observing the Passover. But Gilgal, that first staging place, hallelujah, before going in is the place where the lamb was slain and the blood was spilled. Remember the blood. Glory, hallelujah. Thank you, God. It also became the place of the cutting. I'm going to close in a moment because I just got to talk a little bit about the place of the oath. Gilgal is the place of covenant where you cut covenant. I was thinking about the oath of King Arthur and his round table. King Arthur never had a rep rectangular table. It was always circular because he didn't want any of the knights sitting there to think that one was more valuable than the other. And when you take an oath, you reduce everybody, even those in leadership, to this round robin, this round table type understanding. Every once in a while, we need to sit at a circular table and not at a long table where the bishop sits all the way down. I don't like to sit there anymore. I like to sit in the middle anyway so I can see everybody and talk to everybody. I know who I am. I don't have to sit at the head of the table. What's that? I could be in the center and still lead. Glory to God. We got to get something out. Get it out of your mind. You don't have to be at the head of the table so people can recognize you. If you're the leader, you can sit in the back and they still will recognize you. Let the oil be on your life. Let the oil bring you forth versus some type of man-made concocted stuff that, get, that get, doesn't really get us anywhere anyway. I like MacArthur. I wish I could meet him. In, and he had this oath that he would take all of the knights through. Let me just read a little bit from it. Number one, they said, I will develop my life for the greater good. Some good stuff for you to live by today. If, you, if you're not even a Christian, is I will live, I will develop my life for the greater good. At MacArthur's table. I, I will place character above riches. And concerns for others above personal wealth. This is for the knights who are going to take the promised land. I'm going to make sure that you understand that Gilgal is the place of the oath. And I will never boast but cherish humility instead. I will speak the truth at all times. Even if it costs me my life. And forever keep my word. This is only for the night. And I will defend those who cannot defend themselves. For the nights. And I will honor and respect women. And refute, refute sexism in all of its guise. And you don't stop. And I will uphold justice. By being fair to all. And you don't stop. And I will faithfully. Be in love 
and loyal in friendship. Ooh, glory to God. And you don't stop. And I will abhor scandals and gossip. Even partaking in such, nor will I delight in them. And you don't stop. And I will be generous, ooh, God, to the poor and to those who need help. And I will forgive when asked that they may own that my own mistakes will be forgiven. And you don't stop. And I will live my life with courtesy and honor from this day forward to the rest of my life. Then MacArthur will walk up and smack them. This is to make sure you understand the pain of your oath. Usually we'll smack them and blood will come out of the nose because some people, they just give oath, but there is nothing connecting them with the oath. Glory to God. But Gilgal is the place where you not only give an oath, but Holy Ghost is smacking you to let you know, are you in the process right now? It's not supposed to feel easy. I'm preparing you for the next. It's also the place where God spoke to Joshua to take a flint knife and cut all of the males, cut the foreskin off of them and lay the foreskin in piles. And I want you to let them heal for three days, but I must take them the covenant. Is there anything in your life that takes you to covenant or just you free willy, but you don't even understand covenant? You're sexist. Women can't do what men can do. Or you don't really honor women. They're just subservient. Help me, Jesus. I'm preaching, man. And from Gilgal, Joshua took Jericho. He left Gilgal after the cutting, after the oath, and was able to take Jericho. Gilgal is also the place where King Saul was coronated. It's also the place, same place, where he was refused by God. So it's the place of appointment and the place of disappointment. And God will allow even his people to feel disappointed sometimes. After you were appointed, this is the place of the cutting. Last but not least, it is the place after Absalom was defeated. They gathered at Gilgal to welcome back David into his rightful place. They went back to covenant to say, David, you're the rightful king. This place is so unique in scriptures. And it is Elijah that allowed Elisha to go to this same spot here as he's going through his process for the next dimension. That place is so important. And everybody going through the process will have to deal with some of these things here. Guess what? I hate to get ahead of myself. Elisha is number two to Jesus in terms of miracle signs and wonders in the scripture. Because he went through the process. There is no prophet, no apostle or anybody that has recorded miracles that tops this man who was dealing with a schizophrenic leader who walked across his fields and then rises to preeminence because he learned to humble himself and not spill the juice when he's offended. He becomes number two to Jesus Christ and him only in terms of recorded miracles in scripture. And if you ever want to rise to preeminence, Learn how to wear your mantle through the process. And I'll pick it up again because I got three other stops. He went to Jericho. He also went through the Jordan. Whew, help me, Lord. And he went to Bethel. Three other stops. Each one of these places represents something about your process. But God, I thought I was ready. No, you're not. No, you're not. You just been through the first cycle. We pull you out now, we can still smell something. We got to put you back in the wash. That's what God is doing with many of his people. Don't get afraid. He loves you. Remember, he will always administer grace to you in time of need. Every cycle he takes you through, he gave Elijah. 
the grace to manage it. Even that Gilgal. Father, thank you for your word and I thank you for helping me to teach. With equity, I've preached this word today. Father, and I thank souls. Thank you that souls are assigned to it. I give you praise. There are people that are in the process, Father. The word is so powerful and deep and broad. We never saw Elisha in these terms, Father. All we see is the fact that he caught the mantle. We've never seen the process that he went through. He overcame offense. He overcame setback. He overcame loneliness and separation from his natural biological family. He overcame hurt. He overcame being embarrassed. Father, I give you praise. As I teach, Lord God, even next week, and as I share the word of God with his people, help me to articulate what you put in my heart about the process. Processing us for our next father i thank you that the next is bright for the lead for the leader of leaders and the leader of teams even for the follower our next is bright and father i bless you for this house and for the effectiveness of trim nation in the country let the day star rise hallelujah jesus arise let God arise and his enemies be scattered. We will not kowtow. We will not pull back from the process. Father, we know you selected us. You said, I'm going to handle my people. And Father, I thank you that when you handle us, we're in the safest spot. David said, when he was given a choice to be punished by his enemies or that a plague would come through the land, David said, I choose to fall into your hands, O God. Because I know you will have mercy. So Father in your hands. We commit our spirit. Our lives. Our bodies. Our resources. We present unto you a living sacrifice. Holy acceptable unto God. Which is our reasonable service. We choose to not be conformed to this world. But to be transformed by the renewing of our soul and our minds. That we may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Let it be so now. In Jesus' name, amen. It has been a real joy to share the word of God with you. A special thank you to those who care for this ministry. No amount of financial support is too small. It is because of you this ministry is possible. To support us, go to our website at truthrevealed.org. If you enjoyed the podcast, Please subscribe and share with friends. Be sure to tag us when you share at Trim Nation One. Thanks again for listening. And until next time, I'll see you at the Word of Truth Revealed.